what we're building, it's building towards something greater, not even just for the organization or for our teams or for our customers, but in a bigger sense of women in business, women in leadership, that the lessons we're learning are so valuable. And some of the lessons we've learned, we don't want other people to have to learn by personal experience. Welcome to the Women on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Sam Saperstein. In this episode, I'm speaking with the founders of Instant Teams, Liza Rodewald and Erica McManus. Instant Teams is a remote team marketplace that builds remote workforces by tapping technology and the largest database of military-connected workers in the industry. They are challenging the status quo and building a unique way for companies to diversify their workforce. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Erica and Liza, thank you so much for joining us on the Women on the Move podcast. It's great to have both of you on with us today. Thank you. Thank you. I would love to start out to ask each of you about your backgrounds, about your careers, and what brought you to this point in working together on Instant Teams. So Erica, let's start with you and tell us about yourself. Thank you so much. So my name is Erica McManus. I am the Chief People Officer at Instant Teams and also co-founder along with Liza. I've been an active duty military spouse for over 20 years now, which is crazy to say. And along that journey, I found a lot of challenges, as most military spouses do, having a background and building skill sets and having a career. So that's part of the journey that brought Eliza and I to building Instant Teams. And that really started out right fresh out of college as a brand new military spouse and 12 moves over those 20 years allowed me to build incredible skill sets, different journeys, different experiences, different parts of the world. And I always came back to people and wanting to help people, whether that was through working in Army MWR programming, which is the programming that the Army funds for all families, the different types of childcare or events or sports. And so I spent 10 years working in and out of the Army MWR system. And then we hit about three moves in three years and I had my second baby and kind of hit that early 30s military spouse crisis of career is a challenge. I don't know how I'm going to do this. This is impossible. And that's when I ended up kind of at the bed of Silicon Valley in Monterey, California, and was introduced to a whole new world that I had never been exposed to before, which was the startup space. And I was able to take some of the skill sets I had learned along the way, a passion for helping people and building community. And I started to do that for small startups that were veteran owned out in California, through a firm, a venture capital firm, and did that enough, I started to kind of see, hey, there's an actual opportunity here. There's a solution here that I haven't seen, one, serving our community, but also serving businesses in the remote work space. And for Liza and I to engage on what is now Instant Teams. That is fantastic. Thank you for that. Liza, tell us about your story. Sure. So I love hearing Erica's story because our stories fit so well together and come together at such a pivotal point. But I had kind of the opposite experience. So I had a degree in computer science. I started off in technology as a software engineer straight out of college. I actually started working from home now almost 19 years ago. I was running my own software company, building a lot of Secretary of State's filing system software. So that's what I was doing with my own company when I met my husband, who was in the reserves at the time. So he was prior active duty, then went into the reserves. Him and I got together. And as soon as we got married, he said, hey, you know, I think I want to go back active duty. And I thought, well, I work from home, so why not? Let's go on an adventure. So Obviously, I had no idea what I was signing up for. And we moved into our first neighborhood. And every single military spouse I would meet would ask me the same questions. Liza, 
How are you working from home? How have you maintained your career? And can you help me do the same? And so I really started thinking about this idea I had on the technology side for building and scaling remote teams, because I did that with my company making this software for the state government and how I can kind of plug that into the military spouse community and how maybe I can build something that could meet both sides of the demand. And so it was just kind of an idea in my head early on when I was, we were actually in Clarksville, Tennessee, it was our first official duty station. After that, we moved six times in seven years. So I got baptized into the military spouse life very quickly and met Erica in Virginia in one of our quick stays and kind of connected with her on a more professional level as she was doing consulting in Silicon Valley at the time. And I was running my own software company. And then she came to me a couple of years later, even after that, with the idea of starting something. And I shared some of my ideas and then we immediately kind of put those things together and started working on Instant Team. I love that. So you both had the military spouse experience. You really were with so many moves between the two of you understood what that's like and how that could impact a spouse's career. And I love the fact that you had the entrepreneurship and the software and technology background and then found each other. Tell me about that conversation you had where you decided we are going to go in business together. It sounded like you knew each other for a few years already, but you were probably not in the same place anymore geographically. So what was that conversation like? Who picked up the phone and how did that go? Well, we actually met in a Facebook group. So we love that part of our origin story because we met virtually and now we've built this large remote organization. And our paths together at Fort Lee, Virginia were only, I think maybe six months, Liza, six to seven months after we met, we were in the same place. So I think we only met in person one or two times. And then two or three years kind of uh, spanned out and we just kept up through Facebook. And so when I finally had the courage to kind of share the idea outside of my own head, it was through a Facebook message. And so we've lived very true to our remote communication skills. And we actually share annually with the team that original message in Facebook between Liza and I, because it's a part of our origin story and it's fun. We scale and we evolve so much. But when you go back and you read that, like our passion and our mission and our values from just that initial, hey, I have an idea. Would you listen to me? Am I crazy? Is this like an actual thing we could do? It's still in line to what we do today. Liza, what was that like for you to receive that? It sounds like you were in the right mindset and you were very open to it. I was. I was actually about to launch another business. And it was around the entrepreneur side, women in business, right? Helping them start a company and start a business. I'd already had a logo and my site done and pictures made for it and everything when Erica sent me the message. And so when she sent me the message, everything I've done before, so I've had four companies all together and everything I've done before has been solo entrepreneur. And I'd always wanted to do something with someone else as more of a partnership and co-founder relationship. So when she sent me that message, I really reflected on, okay, which path do I want to go on? Do I want to create something with someone else or do I want to continue, you know, this entrepreneur side of what I'm doing? Because I've always had a passion for women in business. And after her and I talked, it was just really clear to me that I really wanted a partnership and to really do something for this community in the remote workspace. So it's kind of just like a very clear answer to me that, okay, this I'm going to put aside what I've been focusing on and building. And this is the real direction that I need to go now. So it was an easy, easy yes for me. Talk about the strength of a network then. This is such a good story. So Liza, tell us about Instant Teams. What is Instant Teams about? What problem are you trying to solve for other military spouses or military connected people? Sure. So we really solve two problems. We are what you would consider a talent marketplace, which is in the labor marketplace space. 
So we help connect companies that need amazing talent directly to untapped talent communities, such as the military spouse community. So we really do two major things. We really help companies skill up and get a remote workforce into their job listings, their teams, their remote culture, as well as provide those opportunities directly to the military spouse community who often get overlooked for those types of positions because of their resumes and their life stories where they're moving around. Maybe they don't have a direct job title to job title match in large company systems. And so we've really built our talent marketplace to focus on the skill-based hiring so that military spouses' skills really stand out and companies can kind of cut through the noise and look directly at the capabilities of the people applying for the jobs, which really helps democratize access to those positions for both untapped talent communities and for companies to get the talent that they really need. And you use technology to really assess skills and to make better matches. Can you talk about how that works? You know, what specifically is behind that and how does that enable matches to be done more effectively? One of the things that we have done, which is unique and game-changing in this industry, is not necessarily try to build the most sophisticated AI algorithms to do the matching, but really to create a career process and progression on the military spouse and the talent side so that companies can configure the types of people that they want. So I call them gates when I'm talking to companies about it. A company can say, okay, we want a spouse with this type of certification. We want them to go through these four courses that Instant Teams has, and maybe even layer on their own assessment or course training that they want to put in. And once a spouse goes through all four of those gates, then they're available in the company's pipeline. And then the company can just pull. So they have pipelines of ready-to-go vetted talent versus trying to search and match and like big pools of information and people. So it just saves everybody time and it helps create a path for the military spouse, but it also helps create a very curated process for the company on the other side. So in essence, a company can get to know the talent and train them before they actually put them into any job. Exactly. When you experience a lot of the moves and perhaps feeling that it was hard to have a job because of that, and you've seen other people go through that, what is it about working through the platform, through Instant Teams, that allows military spouses to see what's possible, to see that there is remote work out there and they can connect with companies in this way? So one of the things that we've done as we've built Instant Teams for the community or the talent or the career seeker side is built it to their journey. We're building something to meet people where they are. And I think that's really important whether you're building a solution for a customer or you're building a solution for a community. And a part of that is taking into account the gaps in resume, right? Traditional recruitment, traditional job placement is looking at a very chronological pileup of experience. And military spouses often don't have that in a way that would traditionally be impressive. There's gaps, there's a lot of moves, which historically can be a red flag or has been seen as a red flag. Oh, this person's a job hopper. This person can't keep a job. And so what we've done is we've built instant teams is strip out those stereotypes or access to even that type of information and have built it entirely skill-based. So spouses know when they're coming, they're creating what we like to kind of frame as a story. They're bringing the story of their background, the story of their skill sets, whether that's paid in traditional work, whether that's volunteer time. I learned a lot of my skills in very demanding volunteer jobs in the early days as a military spouse. And so I think that on top of remote work, which has always been seen as the opportunity that was kind of missing in the space for a while. Obviously, the pandemic has, has pushed that needle um, further to the community's benefit. 
but it's really that focus on who I am, what I bring to the table and helping that become a solution for a customer that we are taking care of as Instant Teams. And tell us more about some of those skill sets that you see among the military spouse community, whether they're in collaboration or communications or program management. What is it that you see people often have? One of my favorite ones to talk about that I think a lot of people miss is crisis orientation and showing up in a time of crisis. In the military community, that can mean something you know tragic and really heavy. But in any business, there's crisis, right? It can take on various forms. But that ability to think through in a very heated time, stop, analyze what's happening, come to it with a very logical, sound approach is something that military spouses have learned year after year after year, being a part of the military community. And there's even actual trainings that a lot of us have gone through as military spouses to instill those skills and help us develop those. And those become leadership qualities. Those become something that people bring to organizations as a skill that cannot be trained. I think those usually come from like years of experience. And we have a customer that even 100% promotes that really important skill set of being able to orient yourselves in those times of crisis. And we operate a, a 24 by 7. Literally, it's called a crisis breach hotline for a cybersecurity firm. And so we can train those technical skills. We can train the process of how to take those phone calls and help those people in panic. But that skill set of being able to take on those calls is really something that's been taught throughout years as being a military spouse. That is such a clear cut example. And I think something many companies do need, that's for sure. I'd love to understand the development of the company, you know, from that early idea and those early discussions to what you have now, and maybe along the way, understand what your financing was and how you were able to tap the VC community. We launched our MVP probably, what, three to four months after we came up with the idea and said, okay, we're going to start building this. Just to get everything out in the market, start talking to the military spouse community, seeing what they were looking for, making sure that it was a good fit. In a labor marketplace, you have to build, it's a two-sided marketplace, so you have to build both sides, which is one of the most challenging businesses to build because you have two sets of customers. So we started off with the MVP, really getting information from the military spouse community, building that up and then worked our way into the customer side and what demand we could really fill in the customer side. And as we started learning about that, one of the things that became very apparent was because we had military spouses, they're U.S. citizens located globally, that 24-7 kind of workforce availability was really unique and a unique offering we could bring to companies who needed people working around the clock but had trouble getting people to work at night or those split day shifts. But we could do that all with the U.S.-based workforce located globally at the military spouse community. So once we started kind of honing in on, okay, what is the problem we can really solve on the customer side and what are the types of positions and things that our military spouse community are looking for, we actually decided to go through the Founder Institute program. I did that in the Washington, D.C. cohort to start really scaling. And so I actually shut down my software company. Erica had quit working for her Silicon Valley startup. I had to pitch my own husband on, you know, hey, we're not going to have this income anymore because now I'm going to do this full time because we obviously couldn't pay ourselves in the very beginning. As we were scaling it up, we bootstrapped it completely. We went through the Founder Institute program knowing we were going to scale and raise money. And so building our network was kind of our focus at that point in time. So we completed the Founder Institute program, and then I got orders to Hawaii, which was amazing because Hawaii is awesome, but was also very scary because I'm like, okay, how am I going to raise money from Hawaii? Like, I'm going to like the most remote location possible. And so really, we used our network we built at Founder Institute. 
got some connections in Hawaii. Some of the best advice I got was, hey, when you get there, you need to connect with the right people. Actually, one of our mentors connected me with the Blue Startups program manager in Hawaii, Shinoa Farnsworth, who's also the president of the Hawaii Angels, which is the angel group there. And so I immediately got in with them. We raised a seed round, a few other micro VCs with the help of Founder Institute, of course, our network, everything we're building all completely remotely prior to COVID. So we raised the seed round, went through the Blue Startups program. After we finished that, we raised the series seed round with Squadro Ventures out of Baltimore, closed that $1.5 million round, and then used that money to scale us to the next phase, which we just closed our Series A round February of this year for $13 million with Tiger Global as a lead. Again, all remotely, but that one post-pandemic. <laughs> Congratulations. I mean, these are just huge achievements for any company, but the fact that you were doing it remotely, two women founders and all women founder team is just fantastic. And I think the product itself is really terrific. So congratulations. I love the notion that you've tapped into this labor force that might've gone overlooked military spouses. Liza, in the course of your fundraising for the company, describe some challenges you might have had that maybe other women might face when they're going through this, and how did you overcome that? I think as women in general, the typical fundraising expectation is kind of that roadshow environment where you go and you meet in person with a lot of investors face-to-face. And in my situation, I have children. I can't leave for four months at a time and do fundraising, right? So I have to be able to do that within my schedule, within the Zoom environment is where I raised most of our money. And I think having kids around is an interesting dynamic also when you're trying to do those things. So I have lots of stories barricading myself in my office with sticky notes everywhere saying, hey, do not come in at this time, please. A lot of sudden, you know, camera off and mute moments that I'm sure many women have and men after the pandemic have also experienced. And I think having gone through COVID has really been a game changer in that respect. Because pre-COVID, I was so scared of the kids interrupting. I was doing, you know, gymnastics basically to try to create quiet spaces for myself, close one deal while I was in my car because my house was being packed up at the time. So story after story of that. But What I saw in the pandemic, and because I've always been so mindful of my kids not coming on camera and being super professional, but I distinctly remember one of our investors being on a call with me and his son came into the room and was talking to him and he just stopped talking to us. He turned around and talked to his son for a second and then he came back on and we just continued. And I was like, oh, he didn't apologize. There was no like, oh, sorry, guys, let's get back into the rhythm of just like, I did this and now I did this. And I thought, oh, what a great example. And for us as women and working professionals to not be so uh, concerned with those kinds of things, we're all just human. We're all just here trying to do our best, trying to work our best. And like seeing him do that really helped me kind of take a step back and say, okay, I don't have to be so hard on myself for every little interruption or anything that happens through my flow. But to actually embrace that we're all human, we all have families, we all have doorbells that ring because somebody's delivering something or a dog that barks when somebody comes to the door. See people as humans in the workforce, I think was a really positive thing that came out of the pandemic. What has been the response from employers when you go to talk to them about the platform and joining the platform? Have they seen this untapped labor force as something very special? Has there been any hurdles you've had to overcome? What's been that response as you've built this two-sided marketplace? Obviously, they want to give back to the military community. 
a lot of the people we work with are very pro-military and interested in that angle that we have. But they're also interested, especially with the talent shortages right now, the great resignation and all these things that you hear, like getting really good, solid people is their most important task, right? And so being able to provide the lifeline to them, to a talent community that maybe they don't have access to or have overlooked in the past, or most military spouses don't self-identify as spouses whenever they apply to jobs. So a lot of these companies don't even know how many spouses they actually have working for them. And so our platform, you know, military spouses obviously come to us because they're military spouses, right? So they're more than happy to self-identify at Instant Teams because they know that's an advantage to them. And so it's also an advantage to us working with the companies because we can provide demographic information, all of those soft skills that Erica was mentioning, crisis, communication, adaptability, their customers are really looking for, and especially in today's market. And then retention is a big problem they have. Well, military spouses, once they get a job working remotely for a company, they are the most loyal demographic you can find, right? Because they don't want to start over. They don't want to get a new job when they move. They want that career continuation. And so it really helps solve just the basic retention issue that a lot of companies have as well. So it's very positive reception for our story. Sometimes we do have to do some translation because even though companies will say, oh, we understand there will be gaps in the resumes and skills and we send them spouses and they're like, well, wait, there's a gap in the resume. And we say, yes, we said that in the beginning. Sometimes we have to work a little bit on the translation side to say, yes, you cannot look at this in a traditional way, but these spouses will be the best employees that you have. And once they kind of get a taste of it, Our expansion rates are like 30% month over month with companies that work for us. So once they kind of get that pipeline going and tap into it, they realize what a great resource it is for their company. That's phenomenal. Those must be such interesting conversations. But once you show your customers the ability to get into a labor force that, as you say, is so loyal, probably so happy to be doing remote work that they can take from place to place. And that is just such a great example. And I think even for non-military spouse employees in the market, you know, women who dropped out, especially during COVID, to get back in with gaps on their resume is going to be really important to even a broader community. So thank you for doing that work because I think it helps condition so many employees employers to think differently about those skill sets. Eric, I would love to talk to you about culture building in a remote work world. You've done it obviously now, and you're helping your customers to do that for their own employees. What do you think is important for culture building and making sure that a company's values really come across when we are working remotely? Culture really at Instant Teams was one of the first things that we attended to outside of right, an MVP. We're going to need customers. How are we going to do that? One of the first documents we ever created was called our ethos to remote communication. And this was pre-pandemic. And I look back and I think, wow, we were like pioneers. Like, look at us, you know, charging ahead with remote communication. And that has continued to be groundwork. And even post-pandemic with, you know, companies and hundreds of thousands of people moving into the remote work space is that intentional communication. And that's something that I really love to put out to people. It's not just about communication, because I think the word communication, it can become passive. Oh, we have communications, we have process. It's really that intentionality behind the communications. How do we communicate? Why do we communicate? You know, what are the tools that we're using in a remote workforce to be sure that that's all being facilitated, that it's supporting each individual team member, no matter, you know, where they're working or what team they're working on, specifically at Instant Teams. 
And it also, in a remote work way, requires programming behind it. So what are we putting out to our teams? How are we creating information that keeps people engaged while they're working, usually alone in an office, right? There is that loneliness factor that I think everybody felt couple months into the pandemic, people at first were like, yeah, this is great. And then you do start to kind of feel like, all right, I'm sitting here in an office by myself. So all of that is really that intentionality behind how do we communicate? Why do we communicate? And what does that look like day to day? And can you talk about your thoughts on productivity in a remote work world and also the ability to keep networking with others and get ahead? In other words, what do you counsel people who are working remotely to still think about when it comes to building their careers so that they can still progress as long as they want? Yeah, so I think LinkedIn is an amazing tool to network. Liza and I, some of our success stories or introduction stories along the way were because we just did a cold outreach on LinkedIn and was like, hey, we're going to be in Palo Alto. You work at Google. Could we come visit you? We got ourselves onto the Googleplex. So it's like utilizing those tools and kind of having the courage just to use them in ways that maybe you haven't used before. And so we do a lot of that. We share a lot of that on LinkedIn so that our team members are kind of seeing the journey of what Liza and I are out there doing. We also encourage a lot of, you know, if there's a sales group or like women in sales, different groups and different things that either we can invest in for you as a part of the company, or you want to spend your own time engaging, do trainings, join other groups. Some of the best organizations that I've been introduced to was by joining just somebody's, hey, women in leadership group hosted by, you know, XYZ company. And all of a sudden you've got 42 new women in leadership that you have a community with and can continue to engage with. So it's usually saying yes to invitations or getting yourself out there. Again, it has to be intentional, remote working and network building don't happen by accident. You're not just going to bump into your next best mentor walking into your kitchen to get coffee. So it's really got to be intentional. And I think your point of building that out and helping have people have access to that is a really important way to continue that you're here, you're growing in this organization, but what does that look like for you at a wider scale in your career and being sure that people have access to that? I think those are great reminders, just how important being deliberate in a networking capacity is. We talk a lot about that in our company where many of us are back to work in person, but still you must continue to build that network. That network is going to be so important to your career advancement. Raising it even in the remote environment is so important. If nothing else, just to continue to see other people and probably have that satisfaction from working that way, not to mention the career piece of it. Let's talk about mentors for a little bit and the people who have helped you in establishing the company. Liza, you mentioned moving out to Hawaii and you were told by a mentor, here's what you should do when you get there on the ground. Who was that mentor to you? How did you develop that relationship? And tell us more about the value that person brought to you. I think a lot of people think I have this one mentor and they're going to help me with everything that I need to do and everything I need to know in this journey. And that's really not how it works. And it's actually very scary for you to ask people that. Like early on, I learned that you don't ask people necessarily to be your mentor. This is sort of just like an organic give-take relationship that you develop over time. And so that particular mentor, you know, I probably talked to maybe four times throughout this whole journey that I've had. But knowing and having the network built so that you know who to call on when you need help in those certain areas is what's really important. The Founder Institute really did help me frame those kinds of things so that I could reach out to anyone within their network. So going through those programs, I think, is really key as a startup just starting out, like going through some of those accelerators to where you have kind of a built-in network of people that you can reach out to that you don't necessarily have to organically have known yourself that, hey, 
I'm part of the Blue Startups Network. Would you be willing to have a conversation with me? Yes, because they mentor within that network. Mike from Founder Institute was kind of my main point of contact when I was raising that first initial seed round. And I will always be forever grateful to him because I maybe spent 10 minutes at a time with him. Everything was like super fast when you're with him, but he would just tell you what you needed to hear very bluntly. And I, that works really well for me. Right. So I'd be like, Hey, Mike just had a call with an investor and they said this. And I said this, and he's like, don't say that again, Liza. Next time say this. And I'm like, okay, now I got it. And I can learn for the next time. Right. And I really appreciated that kind of feedback. It can be hard with people telling you things from every direction on what you should do and what you should say, but having at least one person that you could just, you know, lay it out and to give you direct feedback like that's extremely valuable. I want to just reinforce this point. Women typically don't have the same size of networks, interconnectivity of their networks. And research has also shown women don't use their networks often in the same way, meaning ask their networks for things and be transactional. And I think many women feel like they want to be more relationship driven than transactional. And many men are the flip side. So Liza, the fact that you kind of brought that right to the table, sounds like you were very transactional with Mike, in and out, very brief. It works. It worked for you and it can definitely work for others. So thank you for bringing that up because I think it's a great lesson for women in general, whether you're an entrepreneur or not. So Erica, what achievement are you most proud of so far with the company? The path that we're building and Liza and I have always believed that like what we're doing and what we've experienced is not always easy. There's been a lot of hurdles. There's been a lot of challenges. There's been heartache and stress, but what we're doing in some ways is A little bit of the first, right? Women in venture capital, military spouses, building large organizations. And the pride comes from knowing that we might not 100% have time right now to be giving it back and instilling the experience in other people. But what we're building is building towards something greater, not even just for the organization or for our teams or for our customers, but in a bigger sense of women in business, women in leadership, that the lessons we're learning are so valuable. And some of the lessons we've learned, we don't want other people to have to learn by personal experience. I mean, there's success in revenue, there's success in numbers, there's success in raising. But I think the biggest piece of that success is that what we are building is going to be able to inspire and help and pave the way for people in the future. And is there one thing you learned, I'm sure you learned many things along the way, but one thing that you would really pass on to women and women entrepreneurs in particular about this kind of journey? For me personally, which I know connects to a lot of women also, is I'm an introvert and I prefer to work behind the scenes. That's not just as a woman, that's just me as an introvert. And I have had to learn in order to bring your idea forward and to be passionate, I had to invest in life coaching. You know, we've talked about mentorship. That was a phase of paid mentorship, right? I needed somebody to kind of challenge me and open up my heart and brain outside of my comfort zone. And it's to just always step forward out of your comfort zone. If that's the one thing that I can encourage women is it will not always be comfortable, but if you have the right network and you have the right support and you're doing something that truly has the goodness of intent behind it, that you totally can proceed forward in a way that will be successful. And introverts can be leaders too. I think we want to put that right in there. A (laughs) hundred percent. And let me ask you too, in terms of what Instant Teams really represents in the market, you know, tell us what is that distinctiveness of the platform and something that you hope our listeners take away from this conversation so that they really remember what you're trying to do with the company and what your legacy will be? 
Uh, the big side on the company side, obviously, is this curated pipeline experience where they can plug and play their own assessments and curriculum into our career journey so that they can have ready to go talent versus having to post a job and submit applications to a job. So we're trying to turn that on its head to where companies just build curated pipelines of talent that they can onboard directly. And those talent pipelines being diverse in natural skill sets by the way we're presenting the information with skill-based hiring and giving those career path progressions to individuals so that you're not just getting the same flavor of people when you're trying to hire, but you actually have diverse pipelines built in even when you're not trying to intentionally. By reversing the way you do it, you will naturally get more diverse talent into your doors, which I think is a big goal for most companies moving forward. So that uniqueness there, and obviously the military community is another unique aspect, but they're not the only untapped talent community that we work with at Instant Teams. So there are other diverse groups within our populations as well. But getting access to the military spouse talent is also a special and unique thing in the market where companies will not find that anywhere else outside of what we're doing here at Institute. It is definitely so distinctive from that perspective, but I'm sure we're going to get the question of if I'm not a military spouse, can I still be on the platform and find a great company to work with? What would the answer to that be? Absolutely. 100%. Great. Well, I'm sure our listeners will love to hear that. So Erica and Liza, thank you so much for being with us. It is so exciting to hear what you're building. We really look forward to seeing this roll out. Hope to see you again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Erica McManus and Liza Rodewald from Instant Teens. It's amazing how they've constantly delivered outside-the-box solutions that drive success for individuals and companies. They're charting a new path for military spouses to pursue their careers no matter where in the world they are. To learn more about Women on the Move and listen to the full library of this podcast, please visit jpmorganchase.com WOTM. JPMorgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC.